Hey everybody, how are y'all doing this evening? Uh, welcome to another episode of your Sloggy Daddy Cast. Tonight, since it is April 16th, we're going to start with Matthew chapter 16. Let's get right into it. Matthew chapter 16 has one section. Two sections, three sections, four sections, five sections. It's not super long. First section. The Pharisees and the Sadducees demand signs or miracles. Same as signs. Verse 1. And the Pharisees and Sadducees came, and to test him, to test Jesus, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. He answered them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Hmm, wonder what the sign of Jonah is. So he left them and departed. Next section is called the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Leaven is just another word for what? I think you guys know this, don't you? What is it? Did I hear somebody say it? Yeast, right? Okay, whoever said it, good job. Whoever didn't say it, good job. Now you know. The leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. When the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they began discussing it amongst themselves, saying, Well, we brought no bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, O oh, you of little faith, why are you discussing amongst yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive, do you not remember the five loaves for the five thousand and how many baskets you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the four thousand and how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you fail to understand that I do not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Next section is Peter confesses Jesus as the Christ. Verse 13. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, 
you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Next section. Jesus foretells his death and resurrection. Verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned to Peter. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Wow, that's a really big deal there. Jesus got really angry with Peter, telling him he shouldn't go and be killed, even though Jesus said it had to happen. And... Jesus didn't, he did not sugarcoat it. He said that what you're saying right now is not of me and my Holy Spirit and, and it's not from God. It's your flesh and it's from the evil one where you would try to keep me from uh, fulfilling my destiny and all of the prophecy, all the prophecies that say that the Christ needs to suffer. He was very, very clear about that. He said, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. So, it didn't, doesn't mean Jesus got super angry and mad at Peter. He just really came against Peter's, um, Peter's mindset in not wanting Jesus to go die. Because... Peter simply didn't understand, and he just wanted Jesus to stay with him and keep teaching and not die and, and take, take worldly power away from the Pharisees and Sadducees and the, and the, uh, um, the Romans, right? So, anyways. Next section. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. Verse 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And that's the end of chapter 16. Kiddos, I'm going to tell you something. 
Bible is full of God's Word and things that God says. Some are very easy to understand. Others... Oh, somebody just sneezed in the hall really loud. Some things you can understand after you study it for a little bit or somebody explains it to you. And other things are just super hard to grasp. And uh, there's some concepts and some beliefs that even Christians don't completely agree on, which is okay. It's totally okay. Because the most important things like what sin is and why Jesus had to die and why we have to confess our sins and surrender our lives to Jesus to save us from our sins. Well, all Christians agree on that. So those are the things that we need to understand and we need to put our hope and trust in. And we need to love God because, well, because He gave us His Son to die for us. And yes, His Son felt horrible pain and died. And a death is a death. God God felt that uh, as a father. He felt that sadness seeing his son die. And Jesus, as a human, even as God come to flesh in a, as a human, felt all that pain and that sorrow and, as he died for our sins. So don't ever think that just because Jesus is God and God the Father is God, that it was a small thing for Jesus to do what he did and our Heavenly Father to give us his Son like he did. And those are things we can all agree on. But the only reason why I was saying that was some of these things I read you are kind of, they can be kind of confusing. Don't let that bug you as you read more in the future and as other people uh, preach and teach to you about this stuff. It'll make way more sense. And Daddy's not a preacher. Um, I, when I talk to you about the Bible, I'm just, I'm repeating what I've heard other people as they've explained things to me and as they could make sense to me. So anyways, um, be of good cheer. Don't fret. Don't worry. Some parts of the Bible are tough and don't make sense immediately, but that's totally okay. Totally okay. But thank you so much for listening. And uh, I just pray that God's Word would bless your hearts and, and renew your minds and transform your minds so that you would be more like Jesus and you'd understand more about how to live in God's love and how to overcome the bad things in life that are inside of you and outside of you and uh, how to give God glory and enjoy enjoy your life and in his creation. Okay, so that's the end of chapter 16. We're over halfway through the book of Matthew. That's really cool. We're doing great, you guys. And we're about 11 and a half minutes in. And uh, let me get ready for wing feather here. I'm going to hit stop real quick and grab a drink of water. All right, got my drink of water and ready to read again. Okay, I'm going to do the world's quickest review because I understand there have been some uh, complaints submitted to the customer service department about me taking too long 
on my last review. So I apologize. I will go briefly through what we read last night. We did read three chapters. The first one was Pete's Castle, where uh, Pete and Sarah are hanging out a little bit, and she hears a toothy cow, and a lot of it's just Sarah thinking about missing her parents and little Borley and um, uh, she goes back to Dugtown because she meets the parents of who? What was her name? Oh, uh, uh, okay, I forget. Parents of Greta Lynn. So she immediately jumps up and takes um, Greta Lynn's parents back to Dugtown to um, meet up with Greta Lynn. And she goes through this process of reuniting a lot, almost all of her orphans with their parents who are free now. But it comes down to her and Borley and like 24 or 25 other kids that are still waiting around. But then she sees a woman's face uh, through a door and there's light behind her and and she says it's you and Sarah's heart leapt and but it wasn't her mom it was Borley's mom which is awesome so of course Borley said hey come live with us and Borley's mom said come live with us we're just a few miles to the south but no Sarah in her sense of duty wants to stay with the orphans and they tell her to come they tell her to come and visit and then what happens with Armulan Armulan's like uh I'm homesick and I can't stay around even though I feel like I want to stay around but my feet just want to keep moving and he can't rest until he finally learns Something, not sure what, but he's already got his backpack packed, and so he takes off. And poor Sarah feels so alone, doesn't she? And uh, she just like so alone. And but she is really acting mature, and and she says to little Lena, "What do we do now, Queen Sarah?" She says, we make the best of it. So Sarah is being super strong for all the other orphans. I have just, I'm really impressed with Sarah. And you can tell Andrew Peterson's taking a lot of the book to kind of build Sarah's character and show us what a strong young woman Sarah is. I think I know why, but I'm not going to tell you. Maybe you guys have an idea. Then we get some more insight into Bonifer Squoon. We start part three of Throg. Bonifer Squoon is um, uh, Ortham's main advisor, and he's trying to get rich and impress um, what's her name, Ortham's wife, Madia, and he's doing crazy things like shipping animals to a strange man who lives in the mountains. And he's doing it out of his crazy, warped, evil sense of love for Madia. Oh, how scary. And that is an excerpt from the Aeneriad. And then the last chapter we read, chapter 46, a poet of Plants was 
listening to a very uh, interesting kind of exchange with Ood, the young troll, to find out that they lived in a castle and um, they weren't royalty, but they were friends with the king. And they, his dad was a poet. And Ood was also a poet, I think. And then he tells a really strange, just really weird poem. And he said it was called Rain and Fire. And I tried to read it, but it's a bunch of... It's just crazy. I'll read it again. Kirk. Glog. Glockawoggy. Kirk. Glog. Glogaxnock. Gibbet. Oog. Wackle. Snod. Spaganoggy. Nacket. Briggle. Sweem. Kirk. Squibbit. And I mean, that was just crazy nonsense talk. But anyways, they all the birds were silent and listened to him. And Janner, being very polite, said, Thank you, Ood. That was beautiful. And they both said they liked, he and Cal both said that they liked his poem. But what was Cal focused on? Cal was focused on getting something to eat. And let's see. Oh, Kalmar sniffed the air and spun around and said that he, he smelled toothy cows who smelled the fire. Kalmar looked at Janner with worry, a herd of them coming fast. And Janner said, I guess that means they're out of hibernation, which means they're hungry. So chapter 47 is a toothy stampede. Cow? Ood stood and peered into the distance. Ood, kill cow. Eat cow too. Not one cow, Ood. Many cows, Janner shouted as he shoved supplies into his backpack and buckled his scabbard to his belt. Many cows? Ood patted his belly and smiled. Ood, eat many cows. No, Kalmar yelled. Many cows eat Ood. Eat boys, too. At last, the sound of the stampede reached them. Horrible moves, the rumble of hooves, the gnashing of yellow teeth. Finally, Ood seemed to understand their peril. Too many cows. We have to go, Janner said. Ood scooped, scooped the boys into his arms like babies and ran straight for the forest. He carried them deeper into the trees with every stride, crashing into branches that Janner would have preferred to duck under. The blackwood enveloped them while the stampede thundered toward the fire. But Janner knew the toothy cows would catch their scent soon enough. Janner had no time to think about Ood's stench or the branches scraping his face because there were more toothy cows in the forest, many of them emerging groggily from burrows or stretching as if they had just awoken. 
It seemed all the toothy cows in the green hollows had chosen this particular day to wake up hungry. The cows were slowed by the trees, but so was Ood. With every glance behind them, Janner saw that the beasts were getting closer, and the racket was waking more of them by the minute. Ood, get up into the trees, Kalmar shouted. Cows can't climb. Ood grunted as he leaped, leapt for the nearest branch. Janner and Kalmar braced for what was sure to be a jolting climb, but the branch broke and they all crashed to the ground. The boys tumbled through the leaves, then wobbled to their feet. Janner wanted to grab Kalmar and scramble up one of the trees, but what about Ood? They couldn't just sit in the branches and watch their friend watch as their friend was gobbled up. Besides, the trees were so thin that with so many cows it wouldn't take long for the beast to gnaw the trunk down. The forest around them moved with fury as cows of all sizes and colors charged them from every direction. Owl, uh, Ood, snapped the boys up again with a growl moan, knocking a cow aside with one arm and pushed on through the forest. Suddenly, Ood howled with pain and lurched Janner saw over his shoulder and saw a young, skinny cow snapping at the troll's leg. Janner drew his sword, but Kalmar had already swung around, holding Ood's belt with one hand and swinging his sword at the cow with the other. Ood managed to reach back and punch the cow in the jaw. It tumbled to the earth and tripped several cows that were just behind it. More and more cows were coming. Ood was running but wounded, and there seemed to be no end to the skinny, twisted, useless trees. Then Janner saw Esben. Well, not exactly Esben, but it looked so much like his father's cloven form that Janner's skin went cold. He only saw the creature for a moment, something lumpy and gray hunched against a tree. It hadn't appeared concerned about the toothy cow stampede, which was odd, but even odder was the fact that the cloven had been holding a sword. Help! Ood shouted. Help! It was a word trolls seldom used. Janner turned, wondering who in the world Ood was speaking to, and saw a mossy stone wall looming over them. At the top of the wall stood an array of monsters. Hairy ones, scaly ones, skinny and girthy ones, many of whom held torches, and all of whom held weapons. A wide timbered gate swung open as Ood approached, then slammed shut behind him. The cows roared and crashed into the gate, but it held. Ood staggered and fell to the ground, which hurled Janner and Cal through the air. Janner landed ten paces away and shook his head to clear the stars out of his eyes. He looked around at a silent, 
multitude of cloven. Janner was too astonished to be afraid. The creatures were so varied in shape and color that Janner had a hard time distinguishing, distinguishing, them, distinguishing them from one another. They were like a mass of breathing body parts with eyes. Janner stared, dumbfounded, until one emerged from the crowd. It had the body of a horse, the torso and arms of a man, but its face was lumpy and cat-like. It wore a sword slung over its shoulder. It bowed its head at the boys and said in a rich, raspy voice, Welcome to Clovenfast. Chapter 48 Elder Cadwick Janner, Kalmar, and Ood were bustled away by a womanish creature with fish scales along her arms and neck, but with the ears of several animals, dog, sheep, flobbit, and more, sprouting from her face, hands, and every exposed bit of her body. Yet she moved with grace and spoke with a voice that was, Janner supposed, Womanlike, Her eyes rested too low on the sides of her face, and her lips were blue and turned downward in a pout like a glipper fish. She led them past the congregation of Cloven and into a simple but sturdy log building, where she told them they would be interrogated by the Cloven leader, whom she called Elder Cadwick. Janner was shocked that they hadn't been eaten yet. By all accounts, the cloven were deadly monsters that the hollis folk of the outer bales had kept at bay for years, and yet they seemed civilized and almost hospitable. The earish, womanish cloven brought a platter of earthen cups and a jug of water, smiled, and left them alone. Ood sat on the floor since there were no troll-sized chairs, while the boys sat at the table, sipping water and exchanging befuddled looks. Well, this is a surprise, Kalmar said. Ood, surprise too, the troll said without looking up from his wounded leg. He winced as he poked at it, and Janner realized for the first time how deep the gash was. The door banged open and in walked two more cloven, one with the head of a gray fang, but the body of a large thwop. Which was still rather small, this head barely cleared the table. The other, a bear with its head on backwards and knobby bones protruding from its shoulders like wings that had failed to sprout. They carried between them the widest rocking chair Janner had ever seen, placed it behind Ood, and then helped him into it. They bowed when they left, and the backwards-headed bear said, The medicine, the medician 
is on her way. She will mend your... Arr! I'm sorry. Your foot. It turned around and backed out of the room. Or didn't, depending on how one looked at it. The thwop fang bobbed its head like a baby and smiled in a way that showed its that showed its teeth were, in fact, not fangs, but square. Like horse's teeth, Janner thought. This is the weirdest thing ever, he said to no one in particular. There was there was the Gargan rock roach. That was pretty weird, Cal said. Then he paused and nodded his head. You're right, this is weirder. The door opened again and a short, stocky woman entered the room, along with the backwards bear. Her movements were quick and sure, like she was used to being in charge. Her black hair was cut short and framed a pleasant face. She carried a satchel bulging with supplies, scissors, knives, rolls of cloth, bottles of ointment. Wounded troll, I hear. She put her hands on her hips and looked from Janner to Cal and finally at the troll. When none of them said anything, she put her hands on her hips and shook her head with annoyance. Well, which one of you is it? Janner and Calmar pointed at Ood, who raised his hand. Right then, as I suspected, you have the look of a troll. The woman waved a hand at the backwards bear. Whizzle, let Elder Cadwick know that the refugees aren't sure which of them is the troll. They're more damaged than we thought. She marched across the room and took Ood's wounded leg in her hands, turning the foot this way and that. It looks fine to me. Is it broken? Ood grunted and pointed a giant troll finger at the gaping wound on the back of his giant troll calf. Yes, yes, but is your foot broken? Ood looked at Janner and back at the woman before saying, No? Good! And we better have a look at this cow bite. It's too late to save the foot, but we should be able to stitch that wound up in no time. My name is Mother Mungry. I'm sure you three have questions. Elder Cadwick will be here soon. He's assuaging the cows you so foolishly boogled. Boogled? Janner asked. Mother Mungry retrieved a wad of leaves from her satchel and applied them to Ood's leg, murmuring soothing words when he hissed with pain. Easy, big fellow. What's your name? Ood. And you're a troll? Yes. His answer sounded sleepy. That's all. Only a troll. Ood didn't answer because he was fast asleep. Mother Mungry stowed the wad of leaves in her satchel and removed something that looked like a fish hook. She squinted one eye as she threaded the hole and set the stitching and set to stitching up the wound.
Yes, boogled. They don't usually come this close to Clovenfast. We hear them at night when they're hunting, but it's been a long time since we've had a boogle of them at our gates. We're lucky they didn't breach. She tied a knot in the string and appraised her work. She nodded, gathered her things, and turned toward the door. Janner and Kalmar gasped when they saw that she had a long, furry tail, at the end of which was a perfectly formed human hand. Its fingers were spread open like, a, like spider's legs, and as she walked, it followed her like a pet on a leash. She smiled when she saw the look of shock on the boys' faces. Are either of you hurt? No, ma'am, Kalmar forced a smile. Good. Elder Cadwick will be here shortly. There came a knock at the door, and Mother Mungry opened it to reveal the horse-like creature who had spoken to them outside. All is well? he asked as he ducked through the door. Yes, sir. The troll. He's the big one there. His foot is fine, but I repaired the cow bite, and he should be awake in a few minutes. Elder Cadwick closed the door behind them and studied the boys and the troll. Janner didn't want to stare, but he couldn't help it. Cadwick was a fascinating mixture of animals, a frightening thing to look at. But the way he stood, the way he crossed his arms and looked at them without feel, fear or malice, struck Janner as noble. Soon Janner realized that the creature was staring at him, not at Cal and not at Ood. Elder Cadwick's gaze was steady. He, or it, took a step forward. You're a boy, he said. Janner tensed, unsure if maybe the four-legged creature was about to strike. An actual boy? Yes, sir, Janner answered, hating the way his voice squeaked. Tell me... Cadwick said to Kalmar, How did a cloven like yourself fall into the company of a boy? Cloven? Kalmar said with a nervous chuckle, I'm not a cloven. I'm Kalmar. This is my brother. Now Cadwick laughed. Not a cloven, eh? Mother Mungry was right. You are more damaged than you realize. I don't understand, Janner said. Cadwick returned his gaze to Janner and tilted his head. His face was so strange that Janner couldn't tell what the look meant. But once again, he had the sense that the, that the creature meant them no harm. Let me try to explain, boy. Cadwick said it as if it was a new word he was getting used to. He stepped closer, and his knobby horse legs knelt at the end of the table so that he seemed to be sitting in a chair. Lamplight caused his bluish skin to shine and his large, dark eyes to shimmer. He folded his hands and thought before speaking. You are in the Blackwood. You know this. 
Janner and Cal nodded. Why did everyone seem to think their brains didn't work? You have come here without invitation, without warning, and you have brought with you a herd of toothy cows. I was eating breakfast with my wife this morning at dawn when I received a warning that cows were coming. And, I thought, if cows were coming, then something has caused this to happen. But surely there would be no Hollis folk in the Blackwood. They would never be so foolish. And yet, here you are. He was looking at Janner again. A boy. We didn't mean to come, sir, Kalmar said. The cows chased us. And what, Brother Cloven, were you doing in the outer veils in this strange company? I'm not a cloven, Cal said. Indeed, answered Cadwick with a grunt. No, sir. You're not a fang, though. It is plain to see that you are not fully melted. No, sir, I, I'm not a fang either. Elder Cadwick leaned forward and studied Cal's face. Then what do you suppose you are, brother? I'm the son of Esben, king of the Shining Isle. Speak not that name in jest. What do you mean? I only meant what I said. My name is Kalmar Wingfeather. My father was the king, but now he's dead. That makes me the king, I guess. And I'm the throne warden, Janner said. Elder Cadwick leaned back and folded his arms. So, it's true, he said to himself. What's true? Janner asked. Esben's story. Chapter 49 It's called Cave Paintings. Janner and Kalmar stared at Elder Cadwick in shock. You knew our father? Janner asked. If your father was a cloven bear, Named Esben. Yes. What story are you talking about? Kalmar asked. I could tell you everything, but I think it would be better to show you. Come with me. Cadwick stood and looked down at Kalmar and Janner with wonder before leading them to the door. What about Ood? Janner asked. At the sound of his name, Ood sat up and smiled. Ood, awake now. He poked at his stitched wound and said, Where we go? Ood, you may stay here if you like. Your companions will come to no harm. My people have sacked one of the toothy cows and even now are butchering it for the spit. If you'd like to stay and eat, you're welcome to. Besides, Cadwick said with a smile, Mother Mungry thinks you need to stay off that foot. She has a thing about broken feet. 
I think you'll find that many of us at Cloven Fast have quirks. Mother Mungry is one of the sanest of us. Shimrad is crazy about fence posts. He admires them for hours. He nodded at Ood. What do you say, friend? Ood looked at the boys with uncertainty, then patted his stomach. Ood is hungry. Don't worry, we'll be back, Janner said. Then he turned to Cadwick. Where are you taking us? To Esben's den. Janner's skin tingled as they followed Elder Cadwick out of the room. He led them into the courtyard crowded with cloven, who paused whatever they were doing to watch the wing feathers. Sunlight fell through the treetops and warmed the ground in bright patches, illuminating the roofs of wooden huts which lined the walls of the village. The huts were simple but well made, and the areas around them were neat and swept clean of leaves. Hello, Shimrad, Cadwick said to a man-like creature with rumpled wings and a pig's snout. The thing nodded as they passed, then turned back to its business, which was staring lovingly at a row of fence posts. Another group of cloven stood around a fire where chunks of toothy cow cooked on a spit. It smelled delicious and reminded Janner that they hadn't eaten any breakfast. Kalmar veered away and would have joined the, the group at the fire if Cadwick hadn't called him back. Careful, Brother Cloven, he said with a chuckle. Those are some of the wilder of us. It's too early in the morning for a fight. The cloven around the fire watch, watched them pass with indecipherable expressions. They might have been angry, or curious, or welcoming, or disinterested. But each face was so different, each fe feature so misplaced or twisted, that Janner could interpret no meaning from their monstrous shapes and instead averted his eyes. As they walked deeper into the forest settlement, Janner saw that it was lined with many paths and was home to hundreds of cloven, maybe more. Soon they approached a lane where, which was crowded with dwellings, not quite houses, but an assemblage of lean-tos and sheds with doors of varying shapes and sizes made to accommodate the corresponding oddities of the cloven who lived there. As he looked around, Janner realized that the cloven who stopped to watch them, watch them pass, were fascinated by him. They hardly glanced at Kalmar. Janner felt self-conscious, almost wishing he were a cloven and not just a regular boy. This must be what Kalmar felt every time he walked through Banrona. No wonder he hated appearing in public. Clovenfast has been here for many years, Elder Cadwick said. I thought Cloven was a nickname the Hollows folk gave you, Janner said. They named us? asked Cadwick with surprise. I wasn't aware the Hollows folk 
had seen enough of us to bother. They've known for years that the forest was full of... monsters. Janner gulped. He waited for some reaction from Cadwick, but none came. I knew there was restlessness in the Blackwood. Cloven, ranging further and further into the veils, but I did not think they were enough to cause trouble. I shall have to increase my pleaders at the forest borders. Pleaders? Janner wondered. Everything Cadwick said opened up whole libraries of questions. They turned a corner and came at last to the rear wall of the fort. Cadwick paused at the gate. This might bother you, boy. These are not the tame ones. Elder Cadwick heaved open the gate, revealing a path that led through darker and thicker trees before it disappeared around the bend. Gulp swallows flitted about in the sunbeams. Cadwick ducked through the doorway and stepped into the forest. Stay close. Immediately there was a noise in the brush beside the path. Janner and Kalmar pressed against Cadwick's flanks as they walked, ready either to run or to climb onto his back, though Janner wasn't sure Cadwick would allow it. Look, Kalmar said, pointing at something large and scaly as it slithered out of sight. Another rustle came from the other side of the path, and Janner spotted a creature skittering up a tree with spidery legs. It was no bigger than a dog, and he thought he saw human hands grabbing twigs as it climbed. As they walked, they saw more and more creatures, some so hideous that they defied description. One lumped across the path, legless and gurgling, Another, visible deep in the trees, had limbs as long as thin poles and strode through the boughs, tearing leaves and munching them with long black teeth. In each misshapen face, Janner saw the shadow of deep sadness, as if the eyes were windows into a dungeon where a prisoner wept. These were the broken, the untamed, as Elder Cadwick called them, and their sorrow filled the forest so that even the bird song was lonesome. Careful, Cadwick said, pulling Janner from the edge of the path. He had almost stepped on the front foot of a thwoppish dig toad with a woman's face and long blonde hair pulled around it on the ground. That one is a pouncer. Sorry, Janner said to the dig-toed thing, and to his shock, she answered, No matter, in a voice that sounded like a burp. On they walked, until they halted a pile of mossy boulders. A footpath led between the massive stones, and Cadwick pointed. Here we are. See for yourself. The boys stepped cautiously toward the entrance. It wasn't a cave, but the trees overhead were so thick 
that it felt like one. The place held a troubling aura of pain and memory and seemed to be waiting just for Janner. He didn't want to look inside. Kalmar stepped past him and out of sight behind a slab of stone. With a deep breath and a last look at Cadwick, Janner followed Kalmar into their father's home. He found his brother on his knees, crying. The place was no bigger than a shed, the dirt on the floor packed with years of habitation. There was a ratty blanket piled in one corner and rodent bones piled in another. It reminded Janner of the cave where Kalmar had tended to Esben. A flood of emotions rose in Janner's chest and tears leaked down his cheeks. Kalmar was kneeling in front of the far wall with one arm outstretched before him, his hand on the cold gray stone. The rock was covered with images, drawings and charcoal that had been tinted with some kind of dye. Janner knelt beside his brother and wiped his eyes. The name Esben was scrawled at the center, and around it were four names. Janner, Kalmar, Lily, and Mia. Chills tickled Janner's shoulder blades. The letters were sloppy, but the images were not. One was, a, one, one was of an island surrounded by crashing waves. A many-spired castle rose high above the green island and little sailboats floated near the shore. In another picture, dark lines dotted with bursts of green, furrowed fields with crops rising out of the earth. Janner realized men, women, and children stood among the rows with baskets on their shoulders and glad expressions on their faces. Janner, look, it's us. Cal pointed to the wall in the deepest part of the den. There was Nia's face. In fact, there were many drawings of her face. Some were smiling, some were sad, some were serious, and all were nearly as beautiful as the woman herself. Next to the collage of Nia was a likeness of Uncle Artham. It was Artham before he had changed into a bird man before his hair had changed to white and his eyes had filled with regret. It was an image of a sure young man, an Artham that Janner had never seen before. Below Artham were three children standing together on the deck of a ship. Lily in a dress with a crutch under one arm, Janner with bandages on his legs and his arm in a sling, and Kalmar, who looked like a boy. It was the children, as Esben had seen them in Lily's song, when they arrived at the Green Hollows. But the drawing of Kalmar showed no sign of wolf ears or fur. A sooty hand had wiped across the stone and smudged his face. Cal hung his head.
A little further to the right, Janner discovered a large and carefully drawn fang. The blue eyes, so vivid, that they seemed to be staring straight at him. Beneath it was written, My Boy. Janner took Cal's shoulders and turned him gently toward the painting. When Cal saw it, his tears flowed all the harder. The brothers rested in the memory of their father's love so long that Cadwick stepped to the doorway to be sure they were all right. You knew him? Janner asked. Yes, answered Cadwick. And no. What do you mean? Cal wiped his nose and stood. Perhaps we should tell this tale over a hot meal. Can your questions wait that long? There's someone I'd like you to meet. Do we have to walk back through the untamed, or whatever you call them? Kalmar asked. No, Brother Cloven. I'm not a cloven. Cadwick narrowed his eyes. I will take you to the heart of Clovenfast. There you will see that it is not such a bad thing to be broken. Ooh, a picture. I'm going to text Mommy this picture. Oops, maybe, hold on. Trying to take it. Okay. And that is the end of chapter 49. Okay, kiddos, 54 minutes in. I think we all got to get to bed. Love you very much. Can't wait to see you. Please give mommy a big hug. She loves you very much. I know you know that, but I wanted to remind you of that. And she works really hard for you. I hope you understand that too. So, this book is getting really cool. Um, yeah. I'll catch you later. Have a good night. Love you.